Welcome back to Pragmatic Visions. You've made it to part two of our conversation with the dynamic design team behind Ballantine Reimagined. In our last episode, we explored the big picture vision for Ballantine Reimagined. And today, we're digging deeper into the design details that will create the resident and visitor experience within the community. We sat down with a few members of Land Design's design team for Ballantine Reimagined, Adam McGuire, Lori Mylam, and Matthew Weschler to understand how this inspiring vision will be implemented. Keep listening as they share how the infrastructure, open spaces, retail, and residential experiences will weave together to create Ballantine Reimagined. Uh, Adam McGuire, I am principal with Land Design and involved in project management design oversight for the project. And this is Matt Weschler. I'm a civil engineer, uh, senior designer, and associate at Land Design, and I managed the civil engineering aspects of the project and uh, did a lot of the permitting as well. And I'm Lori Milam. I'm a associate and landscape designer here. I've been involved with the rezoning and design of the project. So how long have each of you been engaged with this project? I mean, this is a 20 plus year project, but kind of started a few years ago, but kind of where did each of you pop in and, and where was it at when you started? Yeah, I started um, pretty quickly with this one, part of the rezoning. I think it was back in 2018 when the rezoning really, you know, kicked off and have been on it ever since. It was about a year and a half or two year rezoning process to get approval um, and went straight from that to uh, the first phase of design work. And uh, I got involved with the project about two years ago now and it was near the tail end of the rezoning process, so we were transitioning from entitlements to design and permitting, and that's when I really started to get involved. Yeah, likewise, about the same time Matt got involved, I got involved. Uh, rezoning was going through the last few hurdles of a formal approval. Uh, we were starting to get into design and documentation, budgeting, so getting into the nitty-gritty. So now that we are in the nitty gritty design of Ballantine, this large scale community, who is the target audience and demographic for this community? I think the cool thing about this is the target audience and demographic is everybody. Where Ballantine historically has been seen as an exclusive enclave for a very select portion of Charlotte's population. The goal here is to open up the lands that were the golf course, that were private land, Technically, that still most of it is private land, but open it up to the public and let people in. I mean, the efforts right now are underway, calling it Ballantine's Backyard and creating temporary park space to bring everybody to the site. What is the community experience for locals going to be like and for the greater region that's connecting to it? You know, since day one, the big idea here is to have this as a regional destination, not just a local destination. So... Um, like Adam said, kind of making it inclusive and having something for everyone. Um, that experience can be different person to person. That's kind of the beauty of it is creating, you know, little outdoor rooms, providing retail opportunities, open space opportunities, venue opportunities for all ages to enjoy. I think personally that experience is going to be really cool. I think it's a morning to night experience. You can go there get a cup of coffee, meet some colleagues, go to the office, come back out for lunch, walk back to work, maybe work outside for a little bit, have your family or friends come down, grab some drinks and dinner and head to a show. 
really all within walking distance, which is something pretty incredible for Charlotte and especially this area. I'm pretty excited about it personally to get that first beer, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll hopefully get to that point here in the next couple months and years. But yeah, definitely experiences for everybody and something new, hopefully every time people come. So what's the big vision for the open space experience in Valentine? I know you speak a little bit about, you know, these small parklets and rooms, but you know, what is the greater vision for open space in the public realm? So my entitlement rezoning brain immediately goes back to what we committed to, (laughs) but the vision is so much bigger than that. Um, You know, I think in the past year, we've all put a lot more value on being outside and not just being outside, but having quality time outside with people doing different activities, whether passive or active. Um, So I think the big thing at Valentine, again, is just something for everyone, right? You know, an area to throw that Frisbee, kick the soccer ball, um, but also really urban areas, you know, a place to put the Christmas tree in the middle of the retail or ice skating rink or kind of the possibilities are endless. So a key with the open space was a lot of flexibility um, and flex areas. And I think that's key that, you know, you have to realize this is a 20 plus year vision. Uh, The client certainly understands that and the commitment that they've made. And so they're very aware that there's pieces of land that'll be parked today that will be developed in the future. And they're going to be developed at the same or greater intensity than what's being developed right now. So Uh, They're very keen on making sure that we keep the right pieces of open space there and available and improving them. But, you know, day one, it's really a a lot of flexibility and creating lots of different opportunities, just like Lori said. But, I mean, just the fact that you've got over five miles of walking trails existing that we didn't have to put in, like they're already there and now they're open to the public. And there's kids out there on their bikes just tearing through and having fun and Still the occasional diehard golfer that tries to walk through <laughs> carrying their clubs, but uh, that'll end eventually. I'll, I'll add that, you know, from the beginning, we were really cognizant about making this a space that was going to be connected and safe for people to use for bicyclists and pedestrians. And we were very diligent about uh, making sure that we, when we designed these streets, we were doing so in a manner that was going to provide a space for people to walk safely, bike safely. We put in some protected intersection designs that are the the, the first of their kind in the city. That's amazing. We have these side, we didn't just put in standard sidewalks. We put in these larger multi-use trails so that multiple people could be using the space at the same time with different modes of mobility. And that was something that was really important to to the developers and to the design team to make sure that we had that connectivity. You mentioned retail. Uh, how is that working in as a component of the development? Really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we all know, retail is one of the key drivers for people to come to places like Valentine Reimagined. So it's very necessary for this kind of development. You know, it's pretty much makes up the main street of Valentine, which is going to be called Bull Street. And it's it's about two block length, so all in all, close to a thousand feet of retail space on that main street. And I think it'll be a lot of you know restaurants, um, small retail spaces, boutiques, you know, health and wellness oriented tenants, um, kind of all those things that you would want to see, you know, that you'd want to come and hit two or three of them, you know. Um, so it should be a really unique space um, and definitely a destination for pretty much all of Charlotte. 
Yeah, really reinforcing that 18-hour experience. Exactly. You could be here, you know, the whole day into the evening. So we're working on Stream Park. So will that be one of the signature parks within the community? Yes, that is the signature park for Valentine. <laughs> for um, this phase and, you know, probably the next two or three phases after that, it's a pretty incredible space. Kind of the context of it is the existing Valentine Hotel holds one side of it. Uh, the two other sides will be held by um, two new roadways. And then uh, to the east of the park, it's held by an existing stream um, that ran through the golf course that we've gone through pretty extensive restoration process and hence the name Stream Park. <laughs> <laughs> and it sits on what used to be the 18th hole. So the hotel used to look over the 18th hole and that was kind of a signature view out. And so there was this like, okay, well, we're going to take this asset away from the hotel they don't really own it but it's a big reason why it was there so it's like okay how do we create something that replaces that and hopefully we've achieved that <laughs> in the design yeah, yeah but. Um, but it's a pretty cool opportunity i don't i can't think of another park that's been designed as the backdrop of an existing hotel specifically and so there's some unique relationships that we got to create that also caused some frustration through the design but the frustration produces unique solutions i think um, so it's pretty cool. We did end up finally creating a little bit of a private space that separated a little piece of the park that is exclusive to the hotel for the most part. But the relationships between it are really cool. Uh, lots of di different ways to travel through the park, different experiences in it, uh, and a grand stair connection up to the hotel bar, which is obviously the most important piece. <laughs> Yeah, I think one big vision component of the stream park and really for Valentine as a whole was play for all ages. Um, we really wanted to bring that in kind of for all of Valentine. You mentioned we talked a little on the retail earlier. We're kind of weaving some ideas into the retail now, but stream park was an awesome opportunity to really expand what we traditionally think of as a park and play and how do you adapt that um, kind of in a, in a way that is for everyone and not just play equipment. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, part of that also is how do you make that aesthetically pleasing, like Adam was saying, for all of the eyes on the park. So a lot of nature-based elements, um, which I think will be really nice and really using the natural topo of Hole 18 you know, we're working with an existing golf course, so the TOFO is, there's a lot of dirt <laughs> being moved, <laughs> but we've tried to work that in our advantage and kind of tuck in some of those areas to, you know, make it feel like you're coming upon a destination or, or an element in the park. And I'll add, uh, Lord touched on this a little bit, there's, you know, it wasn't just designing a, an incredible park, the complexity of this park design was multiplied by 10 because we were dealing not just with the park design but a stream restoration project yeah. we were taking this kind of old golf course channelized eroded stream that was running next to the 18th hole and we're doing an entire stream restoration on it so we're we're uh, benching back the slopes we're meandering the stream we're creating these spaces where nature can come back into the into the space in addition to that we we had these vehicular bridges that were crossing the stream, a pedestrian bridge that connected the road on the opposite side of the stream to the stream park. There was a sewer relocation project that had to happen <laughs> tangential to the stream. 
And a wet pond, uh, a permanently full pond that was discharging into the stream. And all in all, I think we had at least five or six different design firms all working on this space simultaneously. And it had to, it all had to work as one cohesive design. And the fact that we got to a point where we're actually starting to build it is, is for me, one of the greatest accomplishments of the project. Yeah. You, you mentioned the ped bridge, which is a pretty cool thing. It's definitely caused us a few hours of lost <laughs> sleep, put it that way. But uh, there's the single span in the middle is about 100 feet. So uh, I think we're all going to be standing out on site the day that that gets flown in on the crane and oh, set yeah. in place because sure. that's going to be amazing. Was it the engineering of the bridge itself that was the stressful part or the implementation? Uh, well, that's probably going to be very stressful too, but the engineering is what's lost sleep cause us to lose sleep so far but uh, hopefully by then the site will be opened up enough that the trucks can make the turns so far they haven't been able to make the turns and they've wiped a few things out cross your fingers so it seems like really the pedestrian experience is the the primary focus and allowing that connectivity and walkability um i know you mentioned trails and that looks like pet experience can you speak a little bit more to that and is you know there any anticipated connection to you know future greenways and trails throughout the county Sure. Yeah. It's um, so as part of the project, we are uh, building a connection, uh, greenway connection to the McAlpine Creek Greenway um, that's going to run through the corporate park in Ballantyne. There's going to be a section that's on street and it's what's kind of incredible about it is it's taking trail users from McAlpine Creek all the way to the core of Ballantyne. So there's a safe way that you can get from this kind of regional system into, into the park, to the amphitheater, to the retail. And it's really, we really wanted to focus on that connecting trails to true destinations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's going to be incredibly, it's, it's going to be an incredible use once, once it gets implemented. And I think that people are going to be um, on that, on that trail pretty often, which is another reason why we wanted to make sure that, it was safe and we had protected intersections in a good way that people could cross uh, across the street and get into the to the main bowl area for the project. Yeah, I think got to give Northwood a lot of credit on this, but this is something that they've included as the vision for Ballantyne and Reimagine and not really strayed from through this whole process. Even at the very beginning of the rezoning, um, you know, Northwood, uh, the city, kind of all of the negotiations through the entitlement process and everything like that, we've really stayed true to not only the external ped bike network, but also the internal and making sure that it's not just about getting to the destination. It's the experience along the way um, was a really important part in obviously safety. Right now, you don't bike anywhere really near what is going to be the phase one of Valentine. So it's it's new for everyone. Yeah. Um, so I have to give Northwood and the city a lot of credit for working with us and making sure that that was something at the end of the day that truly did get built. Like Matt said, the Greenway connection is going to be awesome, but really kind of the beauty of that is what it sets up for the kind of micro network coming off of that. Um, You know, the bike lanes, the multi-use path that Matt mentioned, um, the existing golf cart paths, really all of these different facility types working together is gets me pretty excited to think about. You mentioned how many other design firms you collaborate with in Northwood as well. What has the process been like working with them from start to finish? Well, not finish, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finish is ways off here, but so we'll find out, I guess. But I, 
Uh, in all honesty, I've never worked on a team that's so large and yet so in concert with one another right from the beginning. Um, it's, it's not just the design team, but the, the general contractor who's on board for the project has been invaluable in advising us just on pricing and constructability. And they've been an integral part of the design team really from the beginning. And, you know, as, as kind of the master designers for the project, we've brought in a network of other design firms to, to help us on these different aspects, including the bridge design and the stream restoration. And, and they've all just been incredible the entire way. Very good communicators and taking into account the vision for the project and holding true to that from start to finish. Yeah, the saying is it takes a village to raise a child. It definitely takes a village to raise a project like this. Um, there's no way that we could have done this without all these team members. Um, Matt mentioned the general contractor who's been extremely involved and helpful. It's been a very good relationship so far. Hopefully we keep it that way <laughs> as heavy equipment starts rolling here. Um, but uh, frankly, it wouldn't have been possible without having good team members pulled in all around. So. So there's certainly been some hiccups here and there, but I think even internally having a fairly large project team being able to make sure, okay, yep, I I know Matt's got that covered. I don't need to worry about that. And I know Lori's going to take care of this piece. I don't have to worry about that. I got my piece that I'm going to shepherd through. So it's been a good experience, I think. Totally agree with all of that. I mean, it's definitely been eye-opening to have as many hands in the pot as we do. Like Adam said, I don't think we we would not be where we are right now with the project if we didn't have all of those people with their, you know, individual expertise, even internal to land design. It's been pretty incredible to see it all come together and hopefully continue to be built and come together. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a really great experience for that reason. And personally, for me to see a project and be on a project like this, it's been a really awesome growing experience to have people who probably don't think they're mentors, but just naturally by being on it and sharing kind of that input, it's it's been really personally rewarding as well. So we've talked a lot about what we can see at Ballantyne, so the parks and the greenways and the trails, but there's a giant other component, the infrastructure and the infrastructure <laughs> planning at Ballantyne. And, you know, what was our approach like when we first started looking at the infrastructure of this ginormous community? Yeah, well, the concept that we are working on right now and is, is starting to, to get constructed is this, this network of both public and private streets that connect together to form this block structure that will be filled in over the next several years with development, including retail, multifamily, brewery building, and the amphitheater, um, the stream park. It all it all relies on on the on the network connectivity and the infrastructure that that supports that is is the the utilities. It's the it's the storm. It's the sanitary sewer. It's the water. It's the gas. It's the power. It all has to work in concert with one, one another. Um, it's one of those things that you learn more about as you get into the details of the project and yet becomes such this critical component. Um, and we learned, we learned a, a lot about what Ballantyne has in terms of existing infrastructure. We dealt with it. And, um, you know, as of now, we have, we have a really great framework for continued growth, not just for the initial phase of development, but for future phases as well. The one thing I'll note is we, from the beginning, we had these different ideas of how we were going to handle stormwater on such a large site, not knowing what the 
future projects were going to be within each of these development blocks at the beginning. And what we landed on was this really great concept, which was this pond that was going to serve as a regional stormwater treatment system. So it it worked to treat runoff from the streets and from uh, the future buildings. Um, and it also was setting up this uh, kind of unique aesthetic feature that it was a pond that had that's going to that's going to be very pleasant to look at. But there's also going to be a circulating fountain on top of that that serves more of as an amenity. It's kind of kind of be a centerpiece when you drive into Ballantyne that you see. And it's it was kind of this thing that we identified at the beginning as a way to both handle the stormwater runoff as well as produce something that was really going to not just be a detention basin in the middle of a field, but something that would be an amenity to the to the project and be something that people would be really proud of when they drove into Ballantyne and saw it. So that was that was one thing that was fun to work on. Is that going to be visible from 485? Just out of curiosity. Uh, not really. Not from 485, but possibly from 521, depending on how far you crane your neck when you're going past. And, and definitely when you enter the project for the initial couple of years, at least, we believe that the entrance off of 521 into the project will be most people's primary access. And so that's a big part of what Matt was just saying. The design was, okay, if that's the case, then this really needs to, this can't be a typical detention pond behind a strip center, right? Like this has to be something pretty cool. So credit to Lori for spending a lot of time modeling and remodeling and remodeling and remodeling <laughs> that uh, wall. Um, you know, it was it was a unique piece of the design because it ties into one of the parcels that we don't control from a design perspective. But we own that detention facility and obviously we're trying to coordinate the overall design. So it was this, it was a careful back and forth of, hey, can we do this? No, you can't do that. Okay, can we do this? Well, maybe if you do that. And so it was a lot of back and forth, but the end result, I'm confident it's going to be really cool when as you come in off that main road, make that first turn into Ballantyne Reimagined come around the corner and you're going to see this pretty cool feature that's pretty different. And by the way, it serves all of our water quality needs for the first phase of development. Yeah, I think just one thing to add to that, um, we mentioned a lot or Matt mentioned a lot about like the future and making sure that what goes in now is setting us up, setting Ballantyne up for what's to come. And I think that is something really unique about Ballantyne as a master plan design and development. Um, Yes, we're doing all the utilities and roadway needed for um, kind of this first phase, but that's not to say that routinely and at least once a week when we do something, we're then checking to make sure that it will work with phase two and that it will work for phase three and that we're not doing something now that doesn't put us in a really good position for what's to come. And I think that has been something that has been pretty much ingrained in all of our minds since day one with this project. Um, Northwood, you know, they have a big vision for this piece of land and doing what we can to set it up for that has been and will be hopefully critical to the success of it. As much as we're going to focus on phase one, we never miss thinking about what's to come and making sure we're trying to think of everything (laughs) we can for that. As a sort of side note related to that, one cool thing is that our main owner's contact for the project was actually involved in the construction of the golf course. So he has a long history uh, and is very much, I think, personally invested in the project, which is awesome. But it's pretty funny to hear the stories. Of, well, no, that's not how 
I know that's what the plans say, but that's not what we did. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, but this time you're going to follow the plans, right? Mostly. Yeah, spending a day in the archives of the hotel, sifting through <laughs> ancient construction documents and as-built drawings was a fun task. Um, <laughs> the poor intern that had to scan everything that I brought back. <laughs> Sorry about that one. So where are we at today? What are kind of the next steps and, and when can we start to experience Valentine Reimagined? Well, you can experience it right now. Uh, part of the course has been opened as Valentine's Backyard. Uh, and Northwood is hosting events called Markets at 11 every second Saturday, which is a really cool event where they're bringing out, I think last Saturday was one of them. They estimated there were over 10,000 people at the event. That's um, impressive. And I think they had around 60 vendors, including multiple food trucks, uh, a brewery, you know, beer wagon. I don't know what you call it. Beer trailer. Beer. They had beer. <laughs> beer. Um, live music, plenty of room for kids to just run around, roll down the big hills that used to be at the slopes on the golf course. We've converted some of the sand traps into basically enormous sandboxes. Filled them up with toys and the kids love it. Um, you can do catch and release fishing in all the ponds and it's private ponds. You don't even need a license. So some pretty cool things. Never had to look that lol up before, but we did <laughs> and figured it out. So that was cool. So you can experience that part right now and that'll continue to evolve. And then from a construction standpoint, construction has begun. Um, most of the erosion control measures are almost done um, and they've started moving. They've got some of it signed off on, so they've been able to start moving dirt just this week and starting to do some of the earthwork operations. So lots of activity starting to happen out there and a lot more to come with some pretty big pieces getting implemented. I mean, complete within the next 12 months. It's exciting. Has it unfolded like you imagine? Um, yes. <laughs> I uh, have to remove myself from the day-to-day -day a little bit because I think we all know that with a project this size, you you run into some unexpected things that we've handled and will hopefully continue handling. But, you know, this was something that when I first, the master plan was printed huge on a table one day. And I think Rhett and Dale called me in and said, Lori, this is the next big rezoning. And to be honest, I had I had no idea. I, I live very close to the office. I don't go down to Palatine that much. I go down there a lot now <laughs> um, and probably will continue to. But I just am not wasn't familiar with that part of Charlotte. And from the rezoning, you know, I was like, wow, if this is what we're committing to and this is what we're saying is required, like this is going to be an awesome project. I mean, from the beginning, it was 100 acres of open space and stream buffers being preserved and, you know, just the park space, all of it, it was like, this is too good to be true, kind of, you know, like this is crazy. And it really has stayed true to that vision. I mean, like we've mentioned, the multi-use paths, the buffered bike lanes, the protected intersections, kind of all of those things um, from an infrastructure standpoint that you push for and want in a project, we've been able to include and really emphasize with this one, um, the open space, the connectivity, the retail opportunities, really all of that has stayed true to the original vision, which is pretty incredible. Um, I think the message of Valentine Reimagined was loud and clear since day one, since that public meeting 
back in the summer of 2019, I believe. Um, and here we are, summer of 2021. I think we could give that presentation and still 100% believe in it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll say that when I first got brought on to the project and got the rundown of what we were proposing, I, as an engineer, I always think about the things that are going to go wrong. And <laughs> my initial instinct was this is impossible. This, there's no way that this happens the way that we think that it's going to happen, especially with the, you know, we have a jurisdictional stream, which is uh, federally our, protected. Yeah, federally protected stream. A floodplain uh, with some grandfathered encroachments. We've got these these bridges, this existing infrastructure, this really complex network of streets, and I I just thought we might as well scrap it now because there's no way that this thing's gonna <laughs> this thing's gonna survive permitting, and and the fact that we've been able to really push for the best outcome from a design. In a development standpoint and protecting the environment and doing what's best for the community is kind of incredible. Not to say there hasn't been things that have changed uh, significantly, but there's what's kind of fun about design is there's these aha moments where you realize something that used to be a constraint is actually is actually something that you can work with. And, um, you know, maybe that sewer easement that was not going to allow us to build anything within 50 feet of the sewer line. Maybe there's something that we could do with that space that also works for, for the utility company as well for the design. So I think the process for us was finding those opportunities to really find what we can make out of the existing conditions. And we stayed true to that original vision, which is, which is incredible. Uh, I'll, I'll reserve my final answer for sometime in the future. <laughs> but, uh, uh, part three of this podcast. Yes, exactly. So far, I mean, it, it's been amazing. It's a just an incredible opportunity to be involved in this project. Like I said before, it takes a village. I mean, we've had cooperation at unprecedented levels, I think, from everybody that the client's so invested. Our team has just, you know, spent nights and weekends, whatever it took to get to it, to get it done. You know, we've, we've had a good experience, ultimately. I mean, sure, there's been four-letter words here and there, but... Uh, <laughs> No. There's still lots more to come too. I mean, that's I think that's what's so exciting about this is like we're this is like baby step number one, right? Um, you know, we're working on baby step number two right now, trying to get that permit for what we call phase one B, but it'll be the next section. It's I think after today, I'm convinced it's more complex than the first one. So uh, Matt might be telling me it's not going to happen. I don't know, but <laughs> I have my doubts as well. <laughs> we'll talk to you all in a year and have the same conversation. <laughs> but really cool. I mean, the opportunity, the just the various things that we're just looking at at a concept level right now for the future pieces are just so cool. I mean, there's opportunities for big open air interim sports kind of. Not complex isn't the right word. I don't know what you would call Field, it. Flex fields, flex Yeah, but spaces. a really cool, well-designed environment for it. That somewhere that you want to go, not just to play sports, but to hang out afterwards, <laughs> meet your friends. Um, you know, a disc golf course that we're having a, one of the top professional disc golf uh, players in the country assist with. That's cool. Just a lot of really cool things. The, the market's at 11 is continuing to evolve. We're continuing to make improvements to that area. As we get into the fall, the events are going to go into the night and we're contemplating, you know, different stage setups. We've already got a little beer garden set up with string lights because that 
hey, string lights make everything better, right? So, so just the amount of opportunity that's still ahead of us on this one is really cool. Uh, and the fact that you know, hopefully we'll remain involved for years to come. Yeah, I agree. I think the best part of this project is now that we kind of have this first phase of infrastructure and really the possibilities are kind of endless. I mean, it seems like every week, you know, this project is evolving with what the current trend is or what all ages of Charlotte interested in right now. Is it disc golf? Is it outdoor movies? Is it drive-in movies? Is it, you know, what what's the best coffee store that we need to get a pop-up of? And it's pretty awesome that you take, you know, 117-acre 18 hole golf course that you experience pretty much one way um, anytime you visit and oh, oh, you can only visit it if you pay to visit it and you flip that and you can now have that same amount of land and experience it completely different with every visit. So I just got excited all over again hearing Adam talk about that, but also realizing that there it's a hundred different projects in one and absolutely i know we say that a lot but it really is so true here like you almost have to remind yourself oh yeah this is all one project because as different users and types of projects it's going to make a really awesome destination that's made up of all the different experiences do you think this is a good case study on a national scale for what you can do with the golf course we looked at a lot of case studies, actually, on golf course conversion. So the how kind of Markets 11 originated months, maybe even a year ago, was, okay, well, the golf course is going to close. What do we do with it? <laughs> and there was a very real conversation of, okay, do we just put fences up and let the land go wild? Because, you know, there's a cost to maintaining this land right now that's not producing any revenue for the owner. And instead, the decision was made to go the other direction and invest in it, make improvements, hold these events that they have to put up cash up front. And if it's successful, they might break even. If it's not successful, they basically sponsored that event. So, again, big credit to the, the owner and the, the vision that they have and the commitment they have to the project. But I'm getting off on a tangent now. But. No, I mean, that's exactly where I was headed. I, a lot of, if you were just to do a quick Google search of golf, course conversions, a lot of what you would see is um, nonprofits coming in and buying that land and turning it into a nature preserve or, um, you know, kind of restoring it back to what it used to be ecologically, which is incredible and amazing and a huge feat for those courses. So when you ask that question of a case study, um, it's a unique one. It's yes. a unique yeah. one. And I guess we're all pretty in love with the project. So we would <laughs> probably say, yes, it's a great one. But it is unique. And I think, you know, there are going to be components of this project that do feel maybe more like a nature preserve. You know, we have a lot of yeah. preserved stream buffer. I mean, there's like deer and coyotes and yeah, we've, they, God knows we do have a few trail cams set up to catch the animals right now. So, you know, coyotes are a regular sighting, lots yeah. of deer. Which is like um, so unexpected, right? One really cool side story. Boris worked on the monuments out at the main intersection of 521 and BCP some wow. 20 plus years ago. So I was talking to him about it the other week because there's plans in the works that would widen 521 and unfortunately wipe out the monuments. I said, Boris, what, what would you do? He said, well, just take them apart and move them. It's like, what? Are you serious? These things are like 40 <laughs> feet tall, solid concrete. He said, no, they're three pieces. A crane can lift it easily. 
<laughs> starts telling me exactly how it all got put together. He remembers it like it was yesterday. But he said back then you had to park and walk about a half a mile, if I remember correctly, just through the woods to get to where they were building the monuments. So he said he would see all kinds of animals in the morning when he would get there and walk up. So that's really cool. Yeah. So it's funny how thing how long we've been involved and and how things come back around. Thank you guys for this is awesome talking about this with us. Oh uh, yeah, thank you. Sure. Yeah. I've been through Valentine a lot and I learned a way more than I ever knew about it before. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see you know how the project evolves and how you all stay involved with it, and we'll just have to have another conversation at the end of this phase and the beginning of the next one and just it keep, is, keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, our annual Valentine check-in, yeah. you know, <laughs> pragmatic visions is produced and programmed by Allison Beecham with additional production and editing by me, William Young. You can find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts, and tune in radio. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>